Welcome to Ampersand the Enigma podcast with me, your host, Rainbow Black. Yes, guys, it's been another crazy week, really busy week at work. Um, the weather has been totally crap. As it, we're in the middle of June now and we've had a lot of rain, a lot of downpours, mudslides, people at festivals, knee deep in mud and... I'm kind of wondering when when can I get the shorts out? When can I get the the manicure and the pedicure done? So yeah, we're, we're in summer in London, but it's it's fairly cold. I actually had to um, draw for the jumpers this week, so that kind of tells you just how cold it's been. Or maybe it's just the fact that I've got Caribbean cells and um, I need it to be higher than 15 degrees for me to to pull out the t-shirts and the shorts and the sandals. So yeah, it's been a, a a crap week in terms of weather. What else has been going on? Oh my God, um, we've had Boris Johnson. Just saying that name strikes fear into my heart, guys. It's looking very much like he's going to be the next prime minister, and it's not because we've actually elected him. It's because the, there's not many people. Um, that were opposing him basically so he's got a lot of chums in parliament and they've given him their vote because they can't see a better alternative I'm guessing but I'm thinking oh my god we've got Bojo the clown as the next prime minister but I think it was actually written in the stars then I think for a long time um kind of been orchestrated that he'd be the next prime minister because of his background his political connections his um friendship with trump who publicly announced that i think he'd be a great prime minister then we had that fool alan sugar who originally said that um boris johnson should be locked up for his part in brexit and he should should be put in prison and the key should be thrown away he's now saying oh yes he's he's the he's the man for the job now i fully back him and i think that's really to do with him saying that he's going to make taxes less for the rich and wealthy so he's actually mirroring mirroring um trump's kind of pattern of getting votes and winning influence so he's saying if you've got money i'll look after you and then on the other hand he's saying i'm sorry working class people but for you i'll tell you what i'm going to do for you i'm going to put your national insurance up so you have to make more contribution so that we can fund the nhs and any other flop project that he comes up with because let's not get it twisted we haven't forgotten about the garden bridge um which was going to be built in east london for tourists not really for the people of london but we would be footing the bill he lost millions on that deal between him and joanna lumley and the project didn't even go ahead but we still end up footing the bill for that so that's the kind of man that's going to be running the country you know it's about it's about blue blue blood and money and privilege 
so it's looking like it's him that's going to be running the country within the next few weeks as um Theresa May um has now officially resigned I think or she's just holding the fort until they put him in place we had somebody who was kind of posing as a clown it was Chuka Amuna now this guy has switched parties it's like a total embarrassment as well this guy was originally he's an MP he was originally in the Labour Party he switched from them formed a independent party because he said you know i want to give people a voice so i think we need to form a, a party that's independent of conservative and labor and then when he seen that that party was going nowhere he then switched to i don't know if it was the green party and then when he seen that they weren't really gathering um votes he decided oh i'm going to now switch over to the liberal democrats so this guy's a flip flopping all over the place so this guy's a flip flopping all, all over the place chukra amuna i think that's the right name for him because he's just chucking himself all over the place so really as an mp or as a future prime minister we can't take this guy seriously so he's just made himself a, a laughing stock like really so the country is in a state of disrepair um, this week in terms of politics so we don't even know where we're going and and what the hell's gonna um be coming in the future if bojo the clown the ex-mayor of london um if he wins this this position as prime minister because what they're saying is oh we've got to think about you know he's done so many great things when he was mayor he gave us the 2012 olympics he did not do that in isolation there was a team of people around him that made that happen and yes it was a success because there was a a a crew of people plus the nation was fully behind it as well (coughs) excuse me 2012 was a, a great year um i don't think i've ever seen anything like that and it really lifted the spirits of the country but that was also really political because at the time i was actually working in stratford where where the olympics took place and i saw stratford transform from kind of like this ghetto of east london that was underfunded lots of social deprivation and poverty very apparent to the naked eye um no jobs you know uh, lots of um immigrants from different countries that had been dumped there but with no real prospects or investment but as you know that you as you know london is a very transient city anyway so it's it's, it's built up of um immigrants it's built off the backs of immigrants you know from caribbean to to asian to Eastern Europeans, to Africans, you know, it's it's been built it's been built off the backs of immigrants. So, you know, that's that's not a new thing. But um the people, the actual people, the residents of East London suffered a lot, I would say. Yes, they got a shiny new town then. They got a shiny new borough of, of London which is um, Newham, but they really just like to refer to it as Stratford. 
lots of shiny new buildings were, were erected very quickly and lots of tourist attractions were made very quickly but also areas where they thought oh it's too ghetto we don't want the um the olympic visitors to see just how downtrodden it is so what we're gonna do we're gonna eradicate and hide the history of certain areas by just doing one thing and this is one of boris's um strategies he changed the postcodes of areas that were known as ghettos yeah ghettos of 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 stratford stroke newham so when you looked on the map you're like oh that was e14 now it's called e20 and they erupted um new buildings such as a new university theaters hotels the controversial um stratford westfield shopping center which dwarfed the original stratford shopping center that is still there that that is just there for the local people the poor the poor the poor people the poor earning people then you know the, the the people that graft and make Stratford what it really is. So they've been left there with that stra- that, that shopping centre, with just kind of like the bare minimum of investment. And then you've got the shiny new Stratford centre, which most local people can't really afford to shop in. They might save up and go there. Or what I saw over the years is that it, it became a hangout. Um, for a lot of people because there wasn't a lot there so a lot of young people will go and hang out there or some people just go and sit in there to to keep warm that's the reality of it but what I saw because I was working in that borough and that's when I was doing um, substance misuse work as a, a practitioner what I saw was a lot of my clients that were of eastern European descent and they were working really hard, but they were homeless. So they would work all day on the building sites, building up Stratford to make it all shiny and new. And then in the evening, they would bed down in the, in the, in the old Stratford shopping centre. And guess what? That is still going on now. You walk through there about eight o'clock, you'll see up to 40 people, probably even more now, just bed down on the floor so we've got cardboard cities within the shopping center no they can't move them on legally they can't touch them so at least they're inside and they've got somewhere to sleep because some of my clients were actually sleeping under bridges and and being attacked you know and and some of my clients had you know heavy drug use um, and alcohol use and some of them were being attacked and rubbed in their sleep so it was safer for them to sleep inside the um, the shopping centre not always because sometimes they would get rubbed or they wake up and their possessions are gone so that's 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 how deep that ran you know a lot of people actually um, lost their housing as well because they had to build new media centres and the aqua centre and the sports centre you know there was and new walkways and training grounds all for the olympics half of it's been knocked down and new things have been put in place new shiny parks for people to go and walk in and then obviously they've had um like a marathon site where people can go and run uh, races and marathons 
as well so that's that's taking place yearly annually and also areas for them to hold music festivals so it was all about capitalization this is this is london it's the capital that is the whole point it's about money and that's it it's not about the actual london people so that's what i think of that is what i think of when i think of boris johnson all the harm that he's done socially because what you'll find is that the olympics is great but it's this the destruction economically and socially the it's the destruction that it leaves behind because many people were promised that they they would be found long-term employment it would bring a lot of opportunity to a very poor area in fact it's been said that newham yeah Newham is one of the poorest boroughs in the UK but that was never spoken about whilst the Olympic sites were being built up and it was a massive it was a massive building project it transformed that area it's almost like a new Leicester Square but it's in Stratford it's in East London because you've got the DLR so that was extended a lot of new stations and, and, and money was generated within that time but the legacy that is left behind is is one of devastation because actually the crime rates in in Stratford Stroke Newham have escalated because what you have now is the the divide yes because there is lots of luxury apartments that also came out of that because they had all this excess land from from the Olympics they had all this excess land that was left behind so they said, what can we do to capitalise on this? It was just this... Because actually a lot of land in, in East London, a fascinating area. I spent I spent seven years working there when I, when I immigrated from Birmingham. That's where I, I did my, my practice and learnt, learnt my trade even more so in the drug field. Most of East London is actually wasteland. It's marshland. And you know it's marshland because when you're walking through there or driving through there, you you can smell all the gases and the toxins um, coming from from the river because there's, it's primary it's primarily a, a, an area that is surrounded by water because you've got the the docks. A lot of history in East London, the famous Canary Wharf or the financial banks uh, sector is placed so that's where all money is generated and and big companies like Barclays, HSBC, all those kind of big corporate buildings and corporations live. So it's it's surrounded by very powerful buildings and companies and a lot of water but it's primarily really wasteland and marshland. I I, I went to a festival, I can't remember the name of the festival now but it was absolutely amazing and it was it was on wasteland and i wish i I wish i could remember the name of the festival but it was on wasteland and when we got down there we were so excited it was full of sand when i say our clothes was just full of sand for days but you kind of forget about that when you're partying 
because you're you're in festival mode. So they've been using a lot of the land to host festivals like like Moon Dance is now in East London, famous drum and bass alternative music festival. So they're really capitalizing on what they've created, but the local people don't really benefit. So these are the things that I remember Boris Johnson for, and I'm thinking if he can create that kind of level of destruction, because he later went on to become foreign secretary. I'm not, you know what? I'm just remembering what this man done as foreign secretary. Yes, he formed relationships all around the world and put us in a position, a strong position of negotiation with different countries. But what he also done in the process of that was to ruin this woman's life. This um, journalist called, um, oh, I wish I remembered her name. I think her name is Nazarene. She's she's a journalist and writer, and she was on holiday with her husband, who's um, English. She's from Iran. So she went she went on holiday with her husband and daughter, and they stopped her at the airport. And they said, "Well, we suspect that you're you're actually a spy." And that you've come here to research uh, things on our government and, res- and, and misrepresent us. So they they let her husband go and they held her and her daughter in prison for several days. Now, the husband was unaware of this. And then he got wind of it and tried to uh, correct it to say, well, no, actually, I've just come off a holiday with my wife in your country and you know nothing untowards going on she's not a spy she's just on holiday with 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 me and my daughter and john and boris johnson made a ridiculous joke um about her maybe being a spy do you know what the woman has been in prison for almost two years because of him having a little laughing joke about what he thought she might be up to Boris Johnson did not understand the political consequences of his jovial jokes about her maybe being a spy. You can't say maybe somebody's a spy when you're dealing with people that are irrational. And because she's she's of Muslim descent, they feel justified in what they're doing. So this poor woman is being tortured She's been starved. She's been imprisoned for two years because he didn't he didn't go and represent her as a foreign secretary in the appropriate way. So he's cost he's cost her family, the, the a mother and a wife and a daughter. She's imprisoned and there's, and it, and it seems as though she's actually been very ill since she's been there very very ill and there's no there's no end in sight and this is the man that's going to be running the uk as prime minister and you know what scares me it's almost like he's a younger version of trump so if he can cause this much damage at at those levels being foreign secretary imagine what he's going to do as prime minister and it's a very serious thing it really concerns it concerns me you know, but for a lot of people, unfortunately, just like 
how President Trump got into power because people liked his playful, jovial TV personality, reality TV style of being. That is exactly how UK people are. They've become fickle. Like, oh, he's he's a very funny guy. You know, he's a clown. You know, he seems um, approachable. He's he's a man of the people. No, he's not a man of the people. He's a man that is out for his own gain. You know, um, and he's not to be trusted. And that's what a lot of people say. He's not to be trusted. He was married to his wife, Marina, for years. This woman called Marina for years. And he was um, unfaithful to her several times. And then she just got to the point. She was like, I'm sick of you embarrassing me. Cheating, lying, humiliating me. She's like, I just want to, I just want a divorce. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done being your doormat. I think that divorce had happened last year or the year before. She just she just got to that point, you know. So a lot of people say he cannot be trusted, and you know, even with the whole NHS Brexit thing, you know, the man was basically leading us a, a merry dance the whole time. So I think UK people need not to be silly about this we can't stop him getting in because we haven't actually got that vote it's like a default position but if we did have the opportunity to to vote him out then we should take it when the time comes because this man is going to come and he's going to he's going to create waves like we've never seen before this is a man that has referred to black people as pickaninnies and this really does resonate and stick with, with us as a uh, black Caribbeans, black UK British um, Caribbeans, being referred to as pick pickaninnies, a slave term for for black people. So there's 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 a lot to unpack here. And I just needed to get that out of my system. I was like, what the hell is going to happen to us within the next two three years? Because this thing is moving fast, but. I, I, I fear that people are sleeping and especially older voters they will look at him and go oh, he's very well spoken he's found a good background because he's got his dad he was on the radio today saying oh yes I'm very proud of my son but even his own sister Rachel Johnson switched on him and said I don't think this geezer should be prime minister I know he's my brother and stuff but there's just a couple of things that just don't measure up with him so that tells you everything your own sister that you're supposed to be close with is not endorsing you. Yet we have the, the Pierce Morgans who's always in the picture endorsing him. You know, and a few other high profile people. Everyone's got their own agenda. They might not like him, but they're like, what can I gain from this guy? But I'm thinking we need to think at, at street level. What can we the people um do to stop him? Or to ensure that he gives us what what we need and not just his um, pals. Because this is really just... Apparently he's got a massive ego, which you can see. Can you imagine the the ego trip? And I've been told that he's going to be doing a televised um, debate. Because he was was shirking it. He was shirking this debate. So 
I will give you some feedback on that when that when that actually happens. You know, what were they debating about? How did he perform? Is it going to just be a performance? Because that's what we that's what we're used to seeing. So he's going to be consistent, but I think he will have speech writers and spin doctors that will guide him because his demeanor has changed over the last week. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, his demeanor has changed over the last week. He's become more serious, more focused, less less jokey, less comical. You know, um, some of these party political broadcasts are painful to listen to because you know he's insincere. And, of course, he's used immigration um, because that's an easy vote as well, isn't it? That's an easy one. They're coming in, taking our jobs. Well, that's something I ain't want to correct. That's an easy, easy, easy. It's lazy politics, actually. But I, he's saying he's going to take us to a no-deal um, Brexit situation or position. So what does that include? How How is that going to shape up for the UK? How is it going to impact on us financially? And how we interact with other countries in terms of negotiation and, and business relationships. So this is the kind of stuff I would want to know. How is it going to impact on the NHS? Is he gonna is it gonna sell it out? Because it seems like they're selling everything British. So many companies, the the, the last of UK companies are are going into administration. The the high street is in a mess, like big time in a mess. You know the 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 high street is in a in a steady decline. You know the only thing that is saving the high street is that not everybody's on the internet. Not everybody is logging on to buy everything online. Not everybody's an Amazonian, <laughs> as I like to call them. Not everybody's buying everything online or ordering the the shopping from Asda or Tesco's online because not everybody's IT literate let's not get it twisted you know there's some people who don't even know how to use a smartphone let alone a computer so the high street is still there for for those everyday people that that still go there and, and pick up their groceries and use the post office and all, all the general kind of amenities that that we we use on an everyday basis. Some things you still need to go to the high street for, you know. But the high street is in steady decline. Um, so just coming off Boris Bojo, Bojo the clown, almost prime minister. The, there's another clown <clears throat> that I'd like to talk about, and that's. Sir Philip Green, the man famous, the tycoon that is famous for ripping off everyday people that worked tirelessly for him for 20, 30 odd years in um, British Home Store. Now, as a kid, I used to go to British Home Store. Do you know what? I hated going there because even as a child back in the day, it was a dead shop. The decor was dead. The products were dead. It just wasn't a very exciting store. It was just very dated from the off. 
and that that was in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s i don't even know how it survived up until i think it was possibly last year it 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 just decided to shut its doors it might be last year or the year before it was like oh this this thing is leaking money and he realized he could no longer afford to pay the workers and of course if you've been working with a company for 20 30 years you're thinking all right that's cool you you're you're struggling on the high street nobody's really coming into these shops and buying lampshades and stuff because it was like a poor man's version of john lewis like a really poor man's but it was just shite so people stopped shopping there and they were going to other establishments that were more up to date you know not on the ball with what people want now so the people that have been working there 20, 30 years, they, they were looking forward to their pension. And guess what? He withheld their pension to pay off some of the debt and the bills that accumulated by his failing empire, the British Home Store. And he started to, he had to start to close some of the stores or some of them went into administration. Yeah. Um, I think the administration people are called Dilati. Every time you hear Dilati, you should be you should be very scared because you know you know it's 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 business. You know that the administrators are moving in. They're gonna take take over and and try and scrape back some money to pay to pay the, the outstanding debt and you know try and turn a profit somewhere. You know, or sell off the land that that the shop is on and then liquidate the stock and everything. You know to claw back some of the losses so he decided he was gonna he was gonna take some money from these hard-working everyday people's pensions and these people that had worked for him for so many years and given him so much loyalty lost quite a bit of their pension and there was an uproar and he was taken to court over it and he became very well known through that because he also um Owns Top Shop, Top Man, and Miss Selfridges, and River Island actually. So he's part of this group called the Arcadia Group. Yeah, that's that's his. I think that's actually his his company. So it's, all these shops are under an umbrella of the Arcadia Group. So now, what's happened this week? So British Home Store, everybody knows about that, and the pension disaster. Now, the Arcadia Group as a whole is in trouble. It is leaking money left, right and centre because people's spending habits are changing. As I said, the the high street is leaking. It's hemorrhaging money. Shops are closing down. You know, shops are being boarded up. Uh, High streets are looking like ghost towns. So that's the economic side of of how... um, the internet and how business is changing but also people are working and can't really they don't really have that disposable income everybody is living in credit including the high street so he's now having to think shit you know these shop these shops these top brand names are starting to lose so much money because nobody's shopping in them so i'm now having to think i've got to close these damn shops man I've got to close down your top man. 
although people still shopping them but their clothes have become just really weird like they're making the clothes for men really skinny so that's putting a lot of pressure on men to be ultra skinny to be able to fit into his garments if you're if you're over a size 36 waist forget it it's not for the tick man it's for the stick man yeah so top shop top man top shops for the girls i used to i used to shop at top shop when i was a teenager yeah when i was a teenager and it was it was really expensive back then i used to have to save like save hard and and as well i couldn't be over a certain size because their clothes were small so that's not a new thing but i i found a lot of their stuff was really overpriced i loved their jewelry though but yeah it wasn't a shop that i frequented a lot only when sales were on and i i found that their um quality decli- declined over time as well so top shop top man miss selfridges as well i used to shop in there but also that was really expensive that's been around my god i think selfridges has been around since the 60s they used to have some amazing stuff but again really overpriced and you know you couldn't really be a size a proper size 16 you you had to be in the eights and the tens and the 14 slim 14 you know and it'd be a miracle if you could find a size 16 actually because I'm, I'm i'm not a small girl so those shops it was just jewelry jewelry and bags and even they were expensive and river island as well similar kind of model as well but you know a lot of people do like uh, those shops but they're they're going under so that's that's going to be really interesting so these pillars of british fashion are disappearing from the high street because this this man hasn't managed his affairs him and his wife are multi-billion tycoons so it's not really going to affect them but they're saying that there stands to be about 2000 jobs that are going to be lost that's going to affect a lot of people a lot of young people because it's primarily young people that work in these establishments now so the high street the high street is really struggling and i think the only clothing store that's really and i think it's a clothing store this clothing store is taking out all the shops because they've got the finger on the pulse man when it comes to fashion the new lines, the new looks, what's current. This shop is blowing every single shop out of the water. And as really, as much as I love it, it destroyed the high street. But you know what? It destroyed the high street because they do their research, and it's and it's and it's cost effective. Because fashion is 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 disposable now fashion fashion looks and trends are moving so quickly although i have this argument with my friend about i don't know 15 years ago i says my god the 80s is coming back with a vengeance i got told no it's not man you're just it's because you're an 80s baby you want to believe that the 80s is back listen we've been celebrating celebrating the 80s style for so long now in the in the British fashion industry, you know, I know I was right, my prediction was right. I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm an eighties kid. I was born in the seventies, but you know, 
I know about the 80s, so I know all the styles. You know, the only thing that hasn't come back around it is um, Ra-Ra skirts and I think shell suits are back on back uh, on their way back, for, for sure. Um, but yeah, we've, we've been celebrating that for so long now. So, but I would say the shop that is taking out all shops, including um, Marks and Spencers, which is under threat because Marks and Spencers is overpriced and so dated it doesn't matter what they do they just can't seem to keep up they they are fully stuck in like the 60s you know back in the day marks and spencers my mom used to drag me to marks and spencers and you know to get quality skirts she'd be like come on i'm gonna take you to get um, a hobble skirt so it's like a flared skirt and a lot of my pleated skirts, some really nice cuts because the, the quality and the material for Marks and Spencers and their jumpers was superior and their bras. It was far superior to any any place. You know, when it comes to lamb's wool, when my mum was teaching me about jumpers and lamb's wool, that was the shop, you know, because it would last for years. I, I'm a very sentimental person. And I remember... When my mum took me to Marks and Spencers for my 16th birthday. And I, I was obsessed with diamond jumpers. You know, some people might know them as Pringle, but I just call them diamond jumpers. But their diamond jumpers were just beautiful. You know, the quality, the colours would just pop, the knit. Well, my mum says, right, you're 16, pick out which jumper you want. And I, I picked up this cardigan and it was red and it had different 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 colored diamonds um in this beautiful knitted cardigan and i said that's a timeless classic i says i said i want that mummy and i think it was about it's about 40 quid that was a lot of money back then and she bought it for me and i wore it for years guess what i still got that jumper and it's still going strong and that is my retro classic that I wheel out twice a year in memory of my mum. Some some things are just timeless. Some things that so it just shows you the quality of the knit. So I've had that for my gosh, it, over thirty years. This jumper is this cardigan even. So it just shows you the quality, the quality of the garments back then were so superior. But Marks and Spencers is struggling and is looking like it may close down. It's hanging on by a thread because it's a, it's, it's a great British institution. You know, not just known for its clothes, its jeans, its Max, its foxglove shoes, which I hate. But you, you, you wear foxglove when you get to a certain age, when you get to about... 50 odd. I'm not ready for Fox Club. I can do Clarks. My mum's mum used to buy Clarks for me all the time. <clears throat> I had um I had the same shoes as the the friggin' science teacher and I would get teased for that because my feet were massive. You know, size eight feet and me and the science teacher got the same Clark shoes on and I, it doesn't matter what I try to do. I tried to wear them out by walking and then I thought I'd take up football. I couldn't wear the buggers down. You know, they were, they were built to last. They don't really make Clark shoes like that anymore, I don't think. <laughs> but I hated them. They were like this 
this brown color this like doody brown color and he he used to wear like doody brown trousers and then he'd have the the jumper or the the tank the tank jumper you know with no sleeves people used to take the mick out of me all the time be like oh you got the same you got the same shoes as mr brown and i'd be like yeah i've got no choice i'm the kid this is what my mom's bought me to wear because i've got massive feet you know but you know I, I just dealt with it i thought you know what? i'm so lucky to have some shoes in the first place and at least she's buying me quality that's i can say that now that i'm older because i could see where she was coming from there wasn't a lot of money around that in those days for us so she was like i'm just gonna buy good and done today's children would not be putting up with that so marks and spencers is more capitalizing on their food lines because they're known for their food their quality foods uh, and i've got fond memories of um, spending time in the food section with my mom because she'd have little treats for marks and spencers because marks and spencers was always expensive you know so she'd go and get a, a stash of cheese and onion crisps and it was only marks and spencers cheese and onion crisps they had a they they had a very distinctive taste and then she'd have you know some of the baps or crusty bread or something and that would be her little comfort food and i'd sneak down in the night and eat out of the crisps and then i'd get a, a bollock in she'd be like who's eating that my marks and spencer's crisps you know that that was a punishable crime back then <laughs> for me but yeah marks and spencer's was it's just very dated so that's looking like it might go under i i give it i give it probably two years and and it'll be closing its doors you know um but we've seen um new look has also disappeared from the high street another one of my favorite shops that i used to live in I used to i used to go to new look for jeans it was the first shop where i could go for jeans that would fit my body type I'm, I'm quite curvy and oh i just used to love it in there you know and they were they were kind of like the early they were like the early prior mark i'd say actually you know because you could you could get all all the looks in there that's exactly why it was called new look all the current looks anything fresh and it was affordable but their sizing was fantastic as well the first shop to also do plus size uh sizing for women from, from 16 to 22 you know but the jeans were fantastic you know the first jeans that first jeans that i got were stretched from there and they just fitted perfectly i used to buy them in bulk when i started working when i didn't have to go to my mom for money new look was the one for jeans and then and then coats as well they were just on it and then shoes some of the shoes were really good as well and affordable but they disappeared they started to disappear and close down this year actually so that's another affordable shop that had gone. They they kind of remind me of. So before New Look, there was Mark One. Oh my God, I used to live in Mark One. That is that is the shop I first got my full shell suit from back in the day. My pink shell suit. It would make that noise, and you just sweat in it, and and but you try and trend it up and roll up roll up the trouser legs and. You know, try and make it look individual. But yeah, Mark One was was the early new look, and it was it was kind of like the early Primark as well. So a lot of things are closing down on the high street because why? 
because of the internet. And not just that, that with the high street, you go to the high street now, there's there's problems with parking. It costs an arm and a leg to park and you've got the congestion charge. You know, why would why would I want to drive into the city centre to have to par- to pay expensive parking? I can't enjoy my time there. You know, half the time you go into the high street and half the time they don't have the stuck, you know, or they've run out of stuck or they just don't stuck it all. It's just it's just a very limited experience and, and plus we we've become more time poor as well. You know, we're we're working we work really long hours, especially here in London. We work long hours, you spend two, three hours a day commuting. I know that for myself. At least three hours a day I spend commuting. Right? So add that up for the week. That's that's a lot of hours just spent commuting, trying leaving home, getting to work, coming back. By the time you get home you're just you're just dead. You just want to sleep, you just want to eat something quick as well. So why would I want to spend time in the high street when I need to, to rest half the time and spend spend on expensive parking? Or I can't really enjoy my experience because I'm thinking, shit, by the time I come out of here, the parking will be like five, six, seven, eight, nine pounds, depending on where you go. And half the time you've got no ways to park if there isn't any room in, in the multi-story of car park anyway. You know, because... It's it's the it's actually a stressful experience. So, what you're finding is, Amazon is doing very well. You can you can get it delivered to work. You can get it delivered to your home. You can get it delivered outside a shop or train station. You know you can pick things up on on your way home. You know to stop you having to go to the high street. So our spending habits. And the culture of shopping has changed dramatically over the years. So this is why the high street is in decline. The customer service is not even there. You you go to the high street and you, you, you'll have people that they're on their phones. We didn't have all those distractions back in the day. People actually cared about customer service. They would talk to you. They would interact with you. They would have knowledge of the product the, or the products in store. You're not, you're not getting that level of service. So you can sit in your bed now or you can be on the train and you can be browsing through Amazon looking for the thing that you need. And it can be the smallest thing. And you, and you can just order it online and it's there before you even get home. You can have, you can have express delivery. Same with medication. Or creams. I I went to the high street because every every month I'll go and top up on my my makeup. Um, and I think I told you about you know being a woman of color. It's very hard to get um, foundation to match the color of your skin. But and it's taken me years to find it. Consistent a consistent supply, a foundation that matches my skin tone. Very hard to get. So once I found a consistent supply, Maybelline, I was like, fantastic. But every time I would go to the high street, there'd either be just one there. So I'd go to Superdrug. Didn't even want to give them a plug, but, you know, they've done quite well. But I don't like the security guards who follow you around everywhere. Like, you're going to steal out the whole shop. That I'm just not on that vibe. I've, I've just come from my foundation and my eyeshadow and my other bits and pieces i've not come to rub anything i'm an honest person yeah 
not to say that leakage and shoplifting doesn't happen because that's also a thing that is breaking the high street as well but i have not come i have not come to steal anything you know so yes um shoplifting is another thing that is breaking the high street because you can't actually stop shoplifters it's it's yes it, it is an unlawful act but you can't you can't chase down a shoplifter and run them down you can't actually stop it because I've, I've i remember when i used to work in stratford where the olympics was i just remember going to work one day and i was completely horrified i was starving that day i'd gone into greg's which somehow is surviving on the high street greg's has reinvented itself because as british people we love a pasty i've got a funny relationship with pasties from greg's or just any bakery i don't like all the crumbs i'm i don't like that feeling i'm hands where all the crumbs just where you eat it and you're just left with crumbs all over you all over your clothes and you just look like a mucky a mucky eater you know i'd rather just eat a sandwich it's, it's clean it's concise but british people love a cornish pasty or any kind of pie then so it's been able to survive on the high street even though in order for them to survive on the high street they actually had to put the price up of the pasties yeah because it's not that they're greedy it's it's oh my god there's so many things to say about why the high street is dying it's not that they're greedy it's that they had to move with the time so they they bought more products into to greg's this bakery then so they do sandwiches they do pasties they do cakes they do little mini pizzas they do coffee you know so they had to move with the times because people need their food fast because we're, we're on the move we're commuting a lot and this is this is all over the uk not just london so they 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 reinvented themselves refitted out the shop so it looked all bright and and attractive because you know because that's what people want they want attractive spaces to consume their food even if they're just passing through some Gregs they have little little areas where you can eat but really it's just primarily a, a, a purchase and go kind of situation yeah so they've been able to survive the high street based on um reimagining themselves then and, and keeping up with the times but yeah going back to the story i was on my way to work one day starving wanted to get my favorite baguette and i saw some other tantalizing fillings and i was like oh do i get what i normally get because you know i'm a creature of habit and i know what that's going to taste like oh do i try that mexican chili chicken over there because that's got some jalapenos in it then you know something a bit hot so i was kind of like being into indecisive that day <clears throat> excuse me and as i was being indecisive this guy just walked up right next to me and he's just swiped four and put them in his car and walked out and i just kind of froze because i'm i'm not trying to be no have a go hero and then i see the next man come in on the other side of me and done the same thing just opened his car and walked out with like loads of sandwiches and cakes and I've looked at them and I've gone, oh my God, they look like they look like my client group. You know, because as I said, I was working with people that had addiction issues and homeless issues. And I was like, 
oh, I hope that I hope none of them are my clients because it would mean I'd have to talk to them about it. I'm not going to report it. I'm not going to have a word with them to say, listen, that's not on. Yes, you have addiction problems, but committing crime is not the answer, right? It's not respectful. You know, plus you're giving yourself a criminal record as well. I know you're stealing to feed your addiction because you're probably exchanging those sandwiches and those cakes for for drugs. You know, same same in um, you know pharmacies and places like that. They were going. They were still tooth toothpaste and razors and batteries and. You know, sanitary project products to to exchange for drugs because they're they're things that people need. They want them and they need them. So they're they're like, you know, unofficial currency. Then a very big thing, even even down to ladies' sanitary pro- uh, products. Yeah. So I understood what was going on, but I just remember freezing. I was like, oh my god, that man just walked out with six sandwiches onto his dusty jacket, and I was like, this is. This is where it's going now. So what, what I've done, I've gone up to the counter, I've paid for my sandwiches, and I says, "Do you realize? Do you realize that people are just coming into your shop and just walking out with the sandwiches?" And it's like, "Yeah, we can't really do anything about it, and we don't want to get assaulted, so we're aware it's happening. We've got cameras, but it's nothing we can do." And I, I was just flabbergasted. So I says. I think these guys that are coming in there stealing these sandwiches know that they cannot be touched for committing these crimes. You know, because they're just trigger they don't just trigger offences. You know, you're you're stealing because you could argue that you're stealing because you're hungry or because you have addiction issues. So it's not really gonna go anywhere. You might get a fine from entering that, that area and be t- or be given an ASBO to say you cannot enter the shopping center at such and such a times what they've got to catch you first but i have a feeling they were coming in doing that every day and and they know the laws they're not stupid all right so i just fabricated so i said this is kind of like can't blanch so that's another thing that cost them a lot of money they call it leakage you know that stock that's been lost through theft, but I think they can claim it back on insurance, which is what a lot of the guys say to me. Well, I don't, I don't feel bad about stealing fun shots because they're covered by business insurance, so I'm not really hurting anybody. But that may mean that workers get paid less, or that may mean that the shop closes down because it's just losing too much money so these things have a knock-on effect these are social economical effects you know of why the high street's closing down but also how it affects jobs and everyday people you know so there's so there's so much to unpack there but primark also affectionately known as primarni is slaying the high street and the shop started off a medium size and then they just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger when i'm I'm talking they're taking up space in in my hometown i remember when primark came to birmingham it just blew the lid off the high street i i pretty much lived in there 
because I just couldn't believe there was so much choice and so much variety and and the styles were what they're showing on the catwalk. I was just like, oh my god, I can be current, current, current. All the everything that I wanted as a kid and and couldn't afford at the time, I can afford it now because because this shop is just so on point with the with the style and the cuts, you know, and the looks that I I want I wanted to put together and that obsession for everybody because it used to be an embarrassing thing to shop in uh, Primark for people that like name brands I was I've, I've never been a name brand person I, I'm not a slave to labels at all and that's that's just my own kind of political thing I don't like to decorate my body in labels I'm not a walking advert you know I like to try and maintain some kind of individualism and not conform to what everybody else is doing because I remember going through the high street one day and there were four girls I never forget it there were four girls that were wearing a sequin jacket the jacket was bad the jacket the jacket was gorgeous yeah but they all had the same jacket on and I thought are they a dance troupe are they a girl a girl band or what's what's going on there then I realized when I bust a corner and seen a few more girls in it and I, I started to play this game count how many times I can see that jacket whilst I'm in the city center or just in different places and then I realized they've got so much stuck everyone's just wearing the same thing so it's almost like the individualism of fashion and expression has been taken away because everyone is just wearing the same thing because you've you're just been exposed to that shop and it, and its dominance even even other shops had similar things so everyone just looks the same you know nobody looks individual or edgy you know unless unless you're probably buying vintage and you know you look like you're wearing something original but basically everybody just started cloning each other and you and you see it now with different brands like um boohoo and pretty little things like oh i can't stand those clothes although they do look they do look nice on on the younger people but really they're just cheap cheap garments made in in factories in china Taiwan, bangladesh and places like that you know so it's mass produced stuff everybody just looks the same you know no real standout identity those those days are gone unless unless you're a vintage shopper or you make your own clothes or something you know and that's another p- reason why i am um, i struggle with the word designer because it's not designer if everybody's wearing the same thing you know designer should mean something unique or one up or bestoke in in my mind right so this is why the high street is dying Unfortunately, Primark is so powerful now. It's got the biggest Primark in in Europe. Try and imagine that in Europe. You know, and it is... I I haven't been there yet. Because I haven't been able to uh, have time to go to the city centre when I got home. To my hometown, Birmingham. But I've seen it online and it is absolutely amazing. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to give it... Yeah, I thought 
I'm gonna go to Birmingham and, and check out this new Primark, but I'm gonna give it um, a little bit of time to calm down because thousands of thousands of people have descended on on this store. My my brother actually went down and bought a T-shirt, and it says um, "I'm 100% Brummie," and I I was like, "Oh my god, I I want one of those T-shirts." And it's not something I would consider wearing before, but I just, I just love the concept that they're celebrating my hometown. But yeah, let's let's get some facts about uh, Primark because it's pretty powerful. So what it's saying, um, I did a bit of research on it. It's saying it's one of the lowest price competitive segments of fast fashion. And many Europeans and American coast, East Coasters, love Primark so it's actually um, got a few stores in America as well and it's saying it was originally known as Pennies it was opened in Dublin Ireland yeah in 1969 so Primark is not a new player to the field it's been around since 1969 and it was due to American retailer JC Pennies, which had the same name, that um, they decided to open up this store. So it was registered in, in the United Kingdom. So it's, it's probably quite similar to Macy's, I'm assuming. I've never I've never actually been to the to the US, but I'm assuming it's it's probably inspired by JC Pennies. So it's available now in eleven countries across Europe and North America. The largest store, which I think is actually in Birmingham now, but the largest store operates in Manchester, the second largest store, and it's 155,000 square foot. So that just shows you just how big they are. They've got quite a few stores throughout Ireland, and the original name, and it's branded onto its original name, Pennies. They also operate out of a few uh, Selfridges locations but we know that Selfridges is is going into administration so they'll probably move out of there and it's actually owned by Associated British Foods. The founder of Primark is Arthur Ryan and he's still a chairman at the company and they do have a flagship Um, Oxford Street store which I spoke about earlier and over a million products are sold there pretty much every day so what makes Primark competitive how are they staying ahead of the game and eliminating all the competition well um, it's saying that their prices are lower than competitors and they do minimal advertising and packaging by by the brand. So they keep everything really simple so they keep the the cost low. And they actually they're quite an ethical company and I've seen that grow over the years. And so they donate a lot of their unsold clothing to European stores to a charity called the New Life Charity. Um, they're also quite conscious about in the environment and the impact of energy reduction and they try and recycle a lot of the items 
right they're quite ethical because they try and lower the impact on the environment and they've created the energy reduction group and they try and recycle and collect a lot of items that are unsold back to distribution centers to be recycled so that's pretty good i didn't know that because they have a lot of stock actually and i can imagine there's probably a lot of obsolete and dead stock so it's good to hear that um me myself i had so many items from primark over the years i always end up donating them to charity so i'm thinking okay i don't have a use for them let somebody else in a in a different country get the benefit of of these clothing rather than putting them in a bin so they've got stores opening in boston and massachusetts they're big in europe but they did have a bit of a scandal in bangladesh where 1134 people were killed in one of their factories and um they end up having to pay out quite a bit of compensation to victims and families um, which which I think is the right thing to do uh, we know that um, a lot of the clothing and um, shoes and jewellery are made in Asian countries um, and I don't think they wanted that sweatshop kind of image so they had to do something about it most of the, the fibres used is cotton so it's the most used um, fibre in the in the garments. They don't sell products online, but they do showcase what they sell online. They used to have a relationship with ASOS, but I think it wasn't really working out because um, it increased their costs, which is what they try not to do. They try to operate on a low a low cost budget. I noticed last year they launched their Instagram page, which also showcases. I noticed last year they they launched the Instagram page, which also showcases new lines, new trends coming through, which which I actually really like looking at actually. And they're so powerful; they hold six point nine percent in in the clothing market so that's their market share and i think that's probably increased by now because so many of the shops are closing down um on the high street as i said um the arcade group owned by philip green he he'll be closing top man top shop miss selfridges river island he closed british home store two three years ago so i don't think there's going to be much left of of his empire there is another shop i just can't remember it and that that says a lot really um the fact that i can't remember the name of the shop but yeah they they are giants on the high street they are slaying everybody even 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 next is being shaken by primark because their clothes are they're good quality but they can be quite dated as well. But I can see them fighting back. But their shops are often empty. And yeah, they're quite dated and overpriced. So next is also being, you know, shook by them, should I say. We know that Monsoon and a few of the other clothing brands are also struggling as well.
Before, people that used to shop in brand name shops would never go to Primark. Now, there is no shame. People used to actually do really weird things like carry a designer bag to Primark and then put the Primark purchase in the designer bag so people didn't know where they've been. But if you're going on holiday and you just want something that you don't really care that much about but it looks good and it's cheap and it's affordable and if you lose it on holiday it's not a big deal Primark's the place to go you know for t-shirts for little vests you know for your toiletries for your socks you know for your your scarves your swimwear for your makeup you know they've, they've got everything covered the man's the the, the, the men's clothing and the, the the shoes and their coats and their hats they're just fully on point you you cannot touch primark they're they're on point with what's what's current so how how can anybody beat them so it's saying 98 percent of the company's manufacturers also produce products for other companies they're giants i think actually um they produce the for for river island and probably probably even Asda for we know. Because Asda's trying to fight as well. And the makeup is just phenomenal. I've seen it come on leaps and bounds. I, I, I do buy my makeup from uh, different places, as you heard me mention earlier. But I do also pick up quite a few items from Primark. You know, their face washes, their, their little perfumes, you know, their, their bronzers little things their their um cosmetic tools you know their brushes their powders their applicators their jewelry is fantastic as well and uh, the shoes they've just they've just got it fully covered and oh my god i used to have so many prime money bags i don't really buy bags now because due to my stroke i can't carry uh, handbags anymore so i just look I just look with my eyes and go, oh my gosh, I remember when I used to buy a handbag every month. I had so many bags, it was just ridiculous. But um, due to not being able to carry bags that way, um, I just I just have to look, which makes me very sad. Because as a woman, you know, we, lo- we love a handbag or as they call them, uh, purses in America. But yeah, who, who's going to catch Primark at this stage, really? They are they are the giants of the high street taking out every fashion chain. So this is why another reason why the the high street is is dying because you have dominant players like Primark. But I'm you know what I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to moan about that because we need the Primarks to to let everybody else up their game. But I think another thing that is killing the high street is the high rents the the cost of renting spaces on the high street have quadrupled over the years so people are struggling to to pay the rents and pay staff so a lot of shops have gone online we used to have this amazing shop when i first started to get into tech and making music and getting into it you know, I would go to um, this this shop called Maplin's because it was all the electrical stuff and computer stuff and 
cables and when you go into Maplins these guys were amazing their customer service and the knowledge and the passion that you got for this little store this little player was was amazing they closed down two years ago and you just started to see them disappear so you'd have to travel quite far to get to go to Maplins there used to be one in Stratford and then that one closed down and then I started to go to one in Croydon and then Bromley they all started to disappear so that kind of knowledge is, is coming off the high street you know and very simple things you know like you know plugs or things to things to connect other 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 equipment to just started to disappear off the high street I remember going to five or six shops to get to get a jack I think they're called jacks um so I could plug in my microphone into my mixer and I went to five different places and couldn't find it and I thought am I going mad you know it became like a mission to find this jack this connector and then I just realized they're just not carrying this stuff because maybe people are just not buying them anymore but we're all using them because we're all using podcast equipment. We all use headphones. So why can't why why can I not get an item that was an everyday thing that you would see in the shop? So I end up going online and just googling and googling and googling to I came up with a picture of of this jack and end up ordering five because I thought I'm not going through that again. Thank God for Amazon. So everything that we can't get on the high street is now online. That is, there lies the problem. There lies the problem. You know, you, you know, amazing, amazing shops. I saw an article the other day, actually, and it just, it just made me smile. That Richer Sounds is still surviving. Richer Sounds, I used to go to Richer Sounds with my dad in in Birmingham because my dad was a, a proper music head. And I'd go and spend hours and hours with my dad in this record shop. He'd be buying, um, you know, stereo equipment. He'd be buying different needles for his turntable. You know, I was never bored in that shop. I used to just watch all the men marvelling over um, speakers and, you know, different audio equipment, you know, amplifiers, equalisers. You know, so I was very at home in that setting because I loved music and I, I loved spending time with my dad just watching him string string up his sound system in the house and we play music for hours. But Richer Sounds is still surviving. I think they've been around for 40, 50 years. And they're known for the um, immaculate customer service, but also, you know, their passion and knowledge of, of equipment. So they've still survived. Apparently, um, the owner of Richard Sands has sold some shares to his employees to show his appreciation because he's saying, you know what, I've got enough money and these guys have made me so much money over the years and we're well known globally. You know, Richard Sands is a global brand. Um, I'm going to reward my workers with some money and some shares in the company so they, they can, you know, carry on the good name because it's thanks to them and their passion and it was always guys that looked you know like they were the the class nerds that worked in there but boy did they know what they were talking about 
so they've managed to risk to they've managed to survive the uh, actual recessions that we've been through but also the high price hikes in the high street i don't know how much longer they can hold on though because things are getting so bad in the high street now they're becoming ghost towns that they are considering turning some of them and you've actually seen it happen already this is it's also you know in line with gentrification you're seeing a lot of the high street shops being turned into luxury apartments and they're promoting it and saying you know have you ever considered living in the city next to the train station next to public transport so you can commute and get home quite quickly you know live in the city next to all the amenities so you don't have to travel so much so this is why the when you see a cluster open up or it's normally two clusters you know that gentrification is fully happening in your area so this is what they're doing to plug the gaps in the high street because it's becoming an epidemic now um and that's not good because it it can encourage crime as well if shops are not occupied and it's not attractive for, for people to go and spend time there but yeah this is this is linked to gentrification price hikes of uh, rent cost of goods being too high high parking fees which are deterring people from going to the city center but what's happening now as well they're building massive uh westfields for people to go and spend time in you know big shopping malls for people to go and they're saying it's not just about shopping it's a it's a life experience you know work play and experience you know uh, social interaction with others everything under one roof but actually it's quite a tiring experience it's not fun everything is just the same there's nothing really individual in these places so I find them quite a turn off um, because I experienced it when the Olympics was on I I lived in Westfields like literally but you just find yourself spending money that you don't really have or just going there for the sake of it I don't don't have that kind of time and energy to do that because you still have to travel there and travel back out if you're in London but yeah that's that's the death of the high street most definite so I'm just wondering, you know, how this is also affecting local housing when these um, these big shopping centres are being built. I think it's probably impacting on local people because they will find that you've got all these luxury apartments um, springing up. I saw it in Stratford, actually. I was going through Bow, this area called Bow, which is near the Olympic Park. And it takes you into Stratford. You would not recognise this area. This area was run down, deprived. You know, no investment was happening. Lots of working class people, low wage, low paid. You know, um, migrant community. And they've transformed it. It looks like, almost looks like central london or new york or manhattan the way they transformed it so they've done a beautiful job on it but local people cannot afford those apartments so where are they moving them out to they are moving them out further and further to towards essex and 
a lot of those people that lived, so they call them original East Londoners, so they'd be um, white British then, that were born and bred in East London, Canning Town. The, their fathers and, and mothers were probably part of, you know, Dagenham, <clears throat> where um, they would work in the factories, they would work on the docks, they would work on the ferries, they were fishermen, all, all that kind of, you know, original East East London vibe, pine mash, you know, all that all that history. They, they felt as though, because there was a documentary on it a few years ago, they felt as though their areas had been taken over by immigrants, so they took flight. They actually had a terminology for it, they called it white flight. They took flight to areas like Barking and... Essex, yeah, and uh, Cheltenham, different, different, different places like that to get away from what they what they called the areas being overrun by um, immigrants. But then what what's happened because of the gentrification in East London now? They've started to move people out to Barking and and spread them out to these different areas. So those people are becoming upset again. You know, this is this is not about this is not just about race. This is about economics, the have and have nots. And the conservative government have a lot to answer for. You know, there's a lot of politics involved in in gentrification. You know, who's getting the you know, someone's getting a pat on the back somewhere. And it's not the local people, you know, wherever they come from. As I said, uh, London is, has been built off the backs of immigrants. You know, whether, whether you're Latino, Black, Hispanic, you know, Irish, we're, we're all here. It's, it's one big melting pot. You know, people come here to improve their lives. But it is actually one of the most expensive cities in in the world to live in. And you really feel it because the, the price of rent is, is just astronomical. There was a new a new law that was passed to us. We're talking about this actually. And <clears throat> this this law affects people that rent. Because what what's happening with this gentrification thing is that it's stopping people from being able to rent rent accommodation that's affordable to them. Because before you can even think about renting, and this is affected this is affected me so many times. Before you can think about renting, you have to find at least two three grand for a deposit. And um, we're just not living in those times where people have savings. You know, not because you you you're living above your means, because you're 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 working poor. You get your wages and it's done. So you've got to find three grand, at least three, four grand, to move. So the deposit's going to be probably about two, three grand, yeah. Before you've even moved in, then you've got to find money to move your 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 stuff. Then you got to change your address and pay money for that. You know, then you still got to pay money on your last property because you probably got gas and electric bills from that that you still got to finish 
paying off for. You've got to transfer all your polls. So everything costs money. You know, so what, what the government realised is that this is why homelessness in London is, is, is spiralling, it's increasing. You're seeing, you know, families, male and female, full families also sleeping on the street. As I said, I, I saw this in Stratford. Lots of people with mental health sleeping rough. You know, not 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 just not just um migrants coming over from the Eastern European um countries. Uh, sleeping, sleeping rough in in central London in Maribor and on Oxford Street. That's that's another reason why I don't go there. I just can't take the begging. It's too much for the pickpocketing. I just didn't feel safe. But that 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 as that has increased. But this is the re- this is the reason why people are becoming homeless here. And you know it was affecting people that are on low incomes, people that are um, on benefits. They could not rent a home to live you know, their lives because they've been priced out of the market. So then they would either end up leaving London and going to live just outside London or going to another town or city. They were actually sending them to my hometown and other um, northern towns because it's, it's cheaper. But what you're doing then is isolating people from their actual communities that they've been brought up in and they've got a social connection so what the government realised was that you know they can't they can't carry on with this and landlords, although it might hurt them financially, it's better to have somebody in your property than you, your property just sitting there vacant because that's that's been happening as well where properties are you know these luxury apartments have been erected really quickly. Um, I call them IKEA. IKEA style apartments that are erected at lightning speed. They look great, but they've got no personality. They're just there, you know, and um, almost like pop up apartments. But guess what? They're empty, and there's thousands of them. I even saw it in my hometown before I left. All these luxury apartments, you know, near the river. And. Yeah, there were canal. Yeah, near sorry, near the canals because I used to live near near the Birmingham canals, so I could walk to work. Not all this three hour commuting that I do now, three hours a day. Um, the apartments, the apartments were empty, so it's the same here. Everywhere you look in London, luxury apartments are being built up, but they're being sold to people overseas. You know, like the Japanese or the Russian oligarchs. They've been bought as, um, you know, keepsakes or, you know, somewhere to store their money or wash their money, you know. So it's it's like a little keepsake for the future, you know, the nest egg even. So nobody's occupying these, these luxury apartments and they're just laid there empty. So what the government came up with is that, you know what? This is really um, impacting on people and families, and we need we need to do something about it because people are getting really fed up. So they have abolished the deposit that you have to pay, which is going to be more manageable for people. Where, where am I going to find free grand from? I'm going to be homeless, and this this actually happened to me. Last year, because my landlord decided to sell the property and 
we had to find we had to find four grand to move and I'm telling you that it, it put me in a lot of debt and I'm I'm stuck I'm stuck with that debt you know you you beg borrow not steal but you beg borrow take out on all sorts of shit just to try and find this deposit so you can move so you so you've got some stability so I'm really I'm really glad that this year that law that law came out to say landlords no you can't do that three four grand is just too much you know it's it's been it's been taken out you know draw up a contract that makes sense you can still make a profit but you can't price people out like that it's it's very elitist yeah so i think that's one good thing that's come out of this uh for this year oh yeah a lot there's a lot to think about really a lot to think about and I don't think it's good that they're just building up all these luxury apartments with nobody in them why don't they get people to actually house sit these places they call them guardians but even with being a guardian because I looked into it because we was in such a desperate um, space at the time I said let's look at guardianship you have to have money to be a guardian you have to pay money to the person to look after their property and if you don't have money again it comes down to finance you know you you can't be a guardian so it's a class-based thing it's only certain people have a certain class or a certain financial ability it's only middle class people that can do these things middle to upper class earners some people are being priced out yeah, I feel very passionate about it because it's impacted on me two or three times and really put a lot of strain on me and having to move three, four times since I've been here is 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 been huge. I've had to I gave away half of my house because I had to downsize uh, just to find somewhere quick to live. So a lot of people benefited from that. Um you know, nothing wrong with that, but I shouldn't have to be forced to um, do that or put stuff in storage because that's still another cost as well. So, yeah, oh, my God, I've exhausted myself with all that gentrification and death of the high street stuff, but I'll keep you posted on that because I'm watching what's going on, what's going on <laughs> with, with, this, with the politics that's going on. Another thing that came up this week, this government, this conservative government is really going on bad. So another injustice, the TV licensing for 75-year-olds is being abolished by the BBC. Unless unless they're on pension, this thing called pension credit, which only 900 people are claiming, because apparently it's quite hard to, to actually get this pension credit or people don't know about it. You know, you hide knowledge from people. They won't know what they're entitled to. So they're saying that they can't afford to provide um, free television for people over 75 anymore because it's costing jobs and different departments are closing down. They said it would affect TV and radio um, within the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation that we all pay a license to either monthly or annually, yeah? 
He's saying they can no longer afford to give us this this luxury item, yeah. Which I find quite it's quite cruel, really, because if you think about old people, what do they have to look forward to once they get to seventy-five, or probably before that? They're stuck. They're stuck at home. They can't go out that much. They're now. They're now old. They're lonely. They're, they're socially isolated, and now you want to take away the 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 little joy that they have. The probably the only voice that they hear for the day is from the TV. The only way they can stay connected to the to the world and their environment is through the TV. They're watching the news. They're watching their little soaps, and you want to take away. The one thing that gives them a bit of company and information. How bloody cruel is that? You know, they've worked all their lives. They've survived God knows what. You know, recessions, wars. You know, probably some of them even fought for the country. And now you want to take away their TV licence? That's so cruel. And the BBC are saying it's not just coming from them, it's actually coming from the Conservative Party because they want to save money as well. Um, so this, this nasty party that's coming in now, that's ruling over us, is it's got a lot to answer for. And I'm just wondering how some pensioners are going to meet that cost because some of them actually struggle to pay for food and heating. And it might be the very thing that kills them off really early as well. It might be the very thing that just takes them out. Is it? And it's, and it's very different in Ireland, I've been told, because they actually get free travel and get free um travel on tram and trains and they get a free tv license and they get 420 pounds a year fuel allowance to ensure that they they're not um suffering from fuel poverty so they can burn the heat and stay warm and sit down and stroke their cat and you know feel like somebody and their family come around and visit them and feel comfortable You know, the fuel the fuel allowance is only two hundred pounds in, in the UK. But yeah, that's that's what they're proposing. I just think it's I think it's so cruel. I just wanna see what, what everyday people are saying about it. People are people are actually outraged. They're actually I think they're talking about um holding a protest because they're saying it's a disgraceful decision. It's time the license um the license fee was scrapped and the and the BBC high earners because some people have paid ridiculous um money uh wages in terms of um presenters on the BBC so some of that money <clears throat> could be reduced so that pensioners can enjoy their TV. You've got you've got veterans that have fought for the country um who can't afford these licenses and you know, enjoy watching television and having that company. And they're saying that MPs shouldn't get free TV licences because, you know, they can actually afford it. 
just it's just actually quite diabolical. And this Boris Johnson that's coming in, he's not he's not gonna reverse that decision because he'll be looking at that as cost savings. Yeah. And his parents don't have to pay for it. People that have got you know a lot of money and they're old and they're able to financially you know fund that fine but people that haven't really got a pension you know that they're living off or they're struggling financially they should get they should just get it free you know that's just so cruel so you know Yeah, people are actually saying that the BBC, just like Netflix and all those other stations, it should be a subscription service. <laughs> and that the BBC doesn't have anything worth watching. A few years ago, I would have said that is true, but they're having to keep up with Netflix, so they're having to produce a lot more programmes now. And even I enjoy a few a few of their programmes, but you shouldn't do this to the, the poor pensioners. terrible it's terrible so yeah that's one of the things that's that's been happening this week you know robbing peter to pay paul so slap upside the head for the bbc and for the conservative party for pushing this through yeah so i've just been told it's going to be 3.7 million over 75s pensioners that are going to have to pay for their tv license so it's not a small number of people that this is going to affect it's actually going to come into effect next year june 2020 which is an absolute disgrace so let's see if we can overturn this for everybody that's got older people in their family you know that that would miss having a television in their home The, their actual argument is they're saying that over 75s are richer than when the policy began in 2000. I beg to differ. Old people are struggling as well. They're struggling financially. If they've got to choose between heating, food and their TV, then they're struggling. we got here? They're saying 52% um, of people are in favour of reforming or abolishing the free licensing scheme. It's actually, it's £154 they're going to put the price up to. £154.50 for an annual colour TV licence. Even if you're watching it on your iPad, you still have to pay a licence because it asks you when you're watching the BBC. Have you got a TV licence? So they can they can track you. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Um, some comments from some old people. They said they feel enormous anxiety and distress and some feel anger. They're, they're blaming it on the government, not the BBC. 
if make no mistake if this scheme goes ahead we're going to see sick and disabled people in the 80s and 90s who are completely dependent on the cherished television for companionship and news forced to give it up this may cause fatalities because of boredom isolation loneliness feeling cut off from the world One in four over 65 say the TV is their main form of companionship. And that's coming from the director of Age UK. You know, as young people, we're watching most things online, so it's not really going to affect us. But for older people, they're going to feel that. And, And people are living longer as well. Let's not forget that. So it's, it's really going to impact on people's life. This is a this is a social crisis, really. It might seem like something small, but it really isn't. Wow, we've come to the end of a very packed episode. I think we covered a lot of subjects. And hopefully I've given you food for thought on... Important subjects such as gentrification, the death of the high street, our incoming, possibly Prime Minister Boris Johnson, new developments happening there all the time. But yeah, I really enjoyed making this episode. So if you enjoyed it too, you know what to do. Tune in, rate, share, subscribe, and I'll see you soon. Take care. Ciao for now from your host, Rainbow Black. Bye. Thank you for listening to Ampersand the Enigma podcast. To listen to more episodes on your favourite podcast platforms, tune in now on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocketcast and Radio Republic. And you can also catch me on Apple Podcasts as well. So tune in, download the apps and enjoy. And remember to rate and subscribe to show your support and spread the word. Thank you so much from your host, Rainbow Black.